are listening to the Cheats Movement Podcast. It is Thursday, December 16th. And hey, let me tell you, I'm excited about this episode. We are continuing our conversation around public education and in particular Richmond Public Schools. We are talking to first-time elected school board member representing the 5th District, Stephanie Reese. She is a longtime public educator, but this is her first time on the school board. And let me tell you, the conversation we have, we talk about George Wythe. We talk about relations on the school board. We talk about collective bargaining, which just passed last week. We get into all things education, and it is an eye-opening conversation, and it's a, a really, really good and important conversation. I really, really appreciate her for her time and her effort. Last thing I'll say is if you like what we're doing here at the Cheats Movement Podcast, if you like the discussions on education, if you like the discussions on race, hip-hop, sports, culture, please do the show a favor and click the subscribe button. If you do, if you really, really like us, please leave a comment. Leaving a comment everywhere podcasts are available and subscribing is the best way to get our show out to more people. So do us a holiday favor, an early holiday present, and uh, make sure you click subscribe. Also, please take a moment, go to the Cheats Movement Podcast Network.com and sign up for the Family Podcast Network. It's a brand new podcast network that's coming to you in January 2020. Cheats Movement is one of the first shows we're excited to be on, along with a bunch of other shows, and you just don't want to miss out. It's going to be a really, really important podcast network for the area, and I hope you will sign up and get the information as soon as possible. So now that that's out of the way, please enjoy this conversation with Stephanie Reese. Richmond School Board member representing the 5th District. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement Podcast. And it is brought to you by the Family Podcast Network. Please, please take a minute. Go to the Cheats Movement Podcast Network.com and sign up to hear everything that the Family Podcast Network is doing in 2022. It's a very exciting time. And I am so glad that you will be on along for the ride. So it's really, really imperative that you do that. I'm excited about today's conversation. As you know, we are having an ongoing conversation about public education. Also, in particular, let's just do it, call it what it is. We are dwindling down Richmond Public Schools, and we've had some amazing conversations about public education, RPS, and the likes. And to, today's conversation will be no different. I am joined by Stephanie Reese, who is on the Richmond School Board, she represents the 5th District. She is in her first term, and she has a passion for education, a passion for children. I am honored to have this conversation. Stephanie, first time on the Chiefs Movement. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I do want to preface everything with the fact that I'm here as an individual today. Like, I'm anything that I express here is my own. Um, and does not represent, you know, the opinion of the board um, right, right. Or, or anything about the board. This is me talking to you today. 
Oh well, that's uh, the yeah, only I'm that's really the only way we would want it. You, <laughs> us, you and I talking just 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 in a room chatting. You know, some people may listen, may may not. But uh, <laughs> no, thank you, thank you for taking the time to uh, to come on. And I will will say one of the reasons that I wanted to speak to you and you in particular is because I follow you. I follow you on social media. I follow you on Facebook and Twitter, and I I, I call it moments of clarity it could be moments of honesty it could be could be moments of frustration but you um have a really strong way of expressing your passion for children your passion for education your passion for parents on your social media and i read one uh, i want to say it was late november probably november 29th that basically just said hey look there are some there was some crisis going on in our schools. I'm in these schools every day. We need help. Our Latino community in Richmond needs help. Uh, obviously, our, our black community in Richmond needs help. And it was it was so poignant at the time that I said I really would love to have her on the podcast. So, not that particular post, Stephanie, but just your passion in general. You've been on the school board now, and I know this is your first term, but you've you've been on now and and, and seen some things. Um, What should we know about kind of what's happening in public education across the board and what's happening in in RPS? What what causes you to sound the alarm? You know, um, public education as a whole in general, um, I think is not um supported or funded enough um i don't think we appreciate it enough i think the uber wealthy have found ways to avoid um both financing and putting their kids through public schools and um what we get is a public school system that isn't largely respected nationwide um or or, you know, well-funded or, you know, I mean, it's almost as though, you know, we, we need public education, we believe in it, but we aren't necessarily willing to give our all to support it. And, you know, I think that that has been a case for a very long time. Um, so it's not something new. Because I'm on the board, I see it even more um, clearly than I'd seen it before. Um, although, I, I mean, I've always been a teacher, uh, that's my career. Mm-hmm. I was inspired to be a teacher by my kindergarten teacher who happened, I was very fortunate to have a very strong black female mm-hmm. um, role model as a kindergarten teacher. I never forgot her. Her name is Mrs. Bell. And, um, you know, I know that public education saved my life. You know, I grew up poor. I had experience with housing insecurity. I had hunger, you know. Um, trauma and it was school that really like made a difference in my life like it was a safe space for me and I think it needs to be a safe space for all of our children Um, and and that's where you know I want to make sure I make a difference is to make sure that all of our children regardless of their zip code or where they live get an equal education does that answer your question or I can say? So, you know, it, it answers our question. You faded out a little bit on the uh, on the Zoom at the end, but no, I, I got the gist of the answer, and I think it's a fantastic answer. I guess the next question and the next step, which 
you hear all the time is, so how do we get there? How do we get there in Richmond Public Schools? Since you've been able to kind of get on the school board and see a little bit behind the curtain, are, you, everybody mentions funding and, and kind of the funding streams. A lot of folks don't understand how the funding formulas are put in place and how they're distributed, but we hear a lot about funding and, and you know, Richmond gets X number per student, even more than some would be considered affluent county. So I know it's a kind of a funding issue to an extent, mm-hmm. but how do we get to the place that you're describing mm-hmm. where school public education is a safe place, public education is a place that inspires people like yourself to lead the next generation? What Are there things that you have seen since you've been on school board that can be put in place to head us in that direction? Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's multifaceted, right? So we have to make sure our teaching um, faculty, you know, is supported, that they feel supported, that they have agency, um, that they are treated as professionals. Um, we have to make sure our communities are engaged. You know, I actually interviewed, um, his name is Mr. Johnson. He's the custodial director. He's soon to retire at George With. And he told me that he remembered days back when he was a kid where they had nothing, right? They sure. had barely a building. Sure. But, you know, the community was engaged. Parents were in the school, you know, community members were in the school helping out with kids. And it was more of a family environment. And I, you know, that's what I'd like to see return to our schools is, you know, that they're welcoming spaces for our community as well, well as our kids. This is a big question to answer and maybe unfair to ask, but we've already prefaced it that you we're speaking for Stephanie Absolutely. and not the big, big picture. Mm-hmm. Why do you think, what do you think's happened? Why do you think those environments, because I'm going to be frank, my, 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 I live in Henrico County in the West End. My niece, who's a junior at, uh, it was a West End high school here, I believe Glen Allen High School. I'll go to her sporting events. I'll go to some of her events and not, not, it's not every student, you know, don't get me wrong. There's outliers and everything, but I was shocked at the amount of, I graduated high school 25 years ago now. And I was shocked at the, the way that younger people are embracing school spirit. Parents are coming back in certain areas. So you mentioned that it felt like that. And my, my parents, um, my parents went to Armstrong. And, you know, we know about the, you know, the Armstrong, Maggie Walker, we know about the, you know, the Kennedys, and we know about that era of, you know, 50, 60 year reunions, people are still coming back from back in that era. So why do you think it's so difficult nowadays to get that family environment, that, that, that kind of embodiment of school spirit? Well, you know, and, and I, and I will, tell you, you know, my, my mother went to Maggie Walker, my father went to Armstrong. Um, they had school pride, but my, my parents were very working class, right? Mm-hmm. And didn't always feel welcome in those circles at mm. those reunions, right? And okay. so we, we actually do have a class issue in Richmond to some degree, mm. I think, that we don't openly discuss. But um, as far as re-engaging in parents and or, or how parents maybe have become a little less engaged is I think because our communities were split up, first of all, historically, right? I mean, our parents grew up in communities that were solid, 
working class where me, my parents were working class. So there was a solid working class community in Churchill where they grew up Mm -hmm. that is no longer there. Mm. Right. So a lot of our really fully functioning, especially in the black community, at least black communities were, were destroyed, you know, building the RMA, you know, took a large chunk out of that. Um, and then other things that have happened to kind of splinter our neighborhoods, Mm. um, including redevelopment and gentrification. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I think that's a part of it. Um, and so people have become more fragmented and so outside of it. And then also, I feel like over time, something happened with public education where like parents weren't treated as a vital part of it, right? It was almost as though you just drop your kids off, you know, we'll see you at the end of the day. True. You know, there was, I think you're, there yeah, less- I think you're on to something with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's just less um, opportunities for parents to get involved and engaged. I mean, there are very complicated background checks that people have to go through now to get into schools. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But I mean, is there some way we could present that so that it's more welcoming? And so that our parents don't feel like, you know, I've sat in schools where I see parents coming in and signing their kids out. And it seems like a very kind of cold process, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, it's so... I, you know, for lack of a better word, it just seems a little soulless the way that parents right now are some, at least, um, are, are interacting in our schools. And it's not their fault necessarily, because I think to some degree schools inadvertently communicate that, you know, parents don't really have a place there. Interesting. Um, Is it just, and I, you know, how I get specific about that? I don't yeah. know, but I, I feel it. Sure. Um, and I've heard had parents tell me they haven't felt necessarily like they had a place in the school. Is it just me? Because I find it interesting, and I and I, I want to explore that more, even in the future, if not in this conversation. But I, so my son is seven, mm-hmm. and he's in he's in the first grade in elementary mm-hmm. school, and mm-hmm. I feel like now at that age, like it's much more parental involvement, much more welcoming, much more embracing. Mm-hmm. And then you obviously hear about middle school and that transition in a young person's life and then ultimately high school. And I, I, I go back to, to my niece and it's like, yeah, parents are much less involved. So my, my sister has an elementary school student and a high school student. And the amount of stuff she's even asked to be involved in in elementary school is so much more involved and gives you more of a community spirit than at the, you know, the junior and senior age. Maybe that's how it's supposed to be, but I'm just interested to see, because I, I'm, I had never really explored this and mm-hmm. I'm, and, and I'm hearing you uh, explain, which I think accurately is that parents have to want to feel like they're being a part yeah. of the process to really even back these schools. And, and one of the questions um, one of my friends brought up online was like, you know, how come we don't have that Armstrong Walker type, everybody go out to, you know, City Stadium and pack the stadiums where, you know, even in the East End of Henrico, if Holland Springs is playing Verina, it's a wait to get in, tickets and so forth. So I know, you know, your role in the school board is not necessarily about extracurricular activities, and athletics but it is one of those things where it's like um people feel it they're like how can you get the pride back in you know 
Thomas Jefferson football has had a pretty good resurgence and John Marshall basketball is always John Marshall basketball to an extent, but how do we get, you know, even the feeling that these extracurricular activities are supported the, uh, in, in, in the, upper, especially in the upper schools, but even like you said, parental involvement and all of the school levels. So that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to take brainstorming with community members who are really interested in helping to, to work on this. You know what I mean? I can't, I, I'm not going to claim to have all the answers to how yeah. to do that. <laughs> no, it is though. You would get a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> you get a lot of money if you did. I wish. <laughs> like, right. like, it doesn't seem like anything I've done in my life has done that for me. But <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you know, that is my dream, right? I'm, I'm this person who like, and it has worked for me in my life, right? Even when I was a kid, I'd have this like image of what I wanted to see at the end, right? And then I'd figure out like step by step how to get there. Mm-hmm. And I'd enlist the help as I go along, you know, to, to figure out how can we all share this vision and how can we all get to this end point? And so my ultimate vision is, you know, to have like robust community participation at all levels of schooling, especially the high school level, because that's where, you know, kids can get on paths that we don't necessarily want. I mean, they're more likely to sure. no, and, and, and during that period of their adolescence. And so um, my ultimate goal is mama call and she has a lunch break and she's in the hallway telling people to stop running in the halls you know what i'm saying and kids start to see that like they are not in there alone that they're that that their community supports them and um we've got a we've got a all as you know bind together and figure out how that can be achieved but i think it's important i think it's 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 astronomically important to like get our communities re-engaged in our schools um let me, let me ask you this, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, if I asked every member of the school board this question, I would get a different answer, I think. Okay. You are not a typical politician in that sense. This is your first time running for public office, right? When you yes, ran for school board. What do you envision your role is on the Richmond school board? Like, what's a school board member's role? What's your role, Stephanie Reese, as mm-hmm. as you take this job on? Well, I'm a member of a body of people who are tasked with um, creating policy that will then translate into, you know, good schools, into strong schools, into into schools that serve all of our kids. And um, that technically is what, you know, when we attend orientations, that's what we're told we are, right? We are to work as a group for the end goal of providing the best schools possible for our children. And this is all about our children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is what I see my role is. Now, of course, that also means engaging with the community, uh, visiting schools, um, you know, doing everything I can to like um, make sure that I'm visible and that people know that I really care. Um, you know, we have been asked to some degree to avoid, you know, deep involvement in day-to-day activities of schools. That's the superintendent and his his staff's job, right? That's a good point. Do you think people know that? Do you think people understand that? No, I don't. Because <laughs> no, I, I ask because I think if I ask the the layman on the street the exact same question, right? What's mm-hmm. the role of the school board? Somewhere in there, sooner than later. 
I'm going to hear to fix the schools. Yeah. To fix the problems in the schools. Yeah. And I, I, I'm interested to hear how somebody that, you know, wanted the job, got elected to the job and take on the job, views the role. And, and I'm interested to know, do you view the role differently now that you're in office than you did when you were on the outside looking in? <laughs> okay, so, you know, I've had experience both as a teacher. I mean, I am a career-long teacher myself. Uh, I've never really done anything else. Um, and as a parent, right, both of my mm. kids attended RPS. Um, I will tell you in both roles, the school board seemed like some far off distant entity that really didn't have anything to do with my day-to-day -day life. Really? Right. right. Um, and that was even as a teacher. Like I, you know, my last full-time job was at, um, cause I'm at VCU now, but my last full-time K-12 job was at Hermitage in Henrico. Right. Yeah. I'm and, right down the street. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, um, I couldn't tell you one name of any school board member that was on the board when I was there. Oh, wow. Um, because, you know, sometimes school board members seem so far away from everyday operations of schools. Um, they set policy, but like often when that policy gets translated, teachers get it from building administrators, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, what I see happening in Richmond is really encouraging and that like school board members are known, like people know who I am, you know. Y'all, y'all are hot in the streets. Y'all, I don't know if it's a good <laughs> yeah, thing or a bad like, thing, but y'all, like yeah. in Rico, in Rico school board, you're right. I live in Rico. I probably could name all of them, but y'all, I can name all of y'all. Y'all are hot. In the <laughs> so, I mean, I uh, think that's that's in in and of itself is a sign that like maybe we're having an impact and maybe people are paying attention to what we're doing, and I see that as a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um. The more engagement, the better. So and so, yeah, but people do call me and they're like, oh, my principal did this and my principal did that. And I don't want you to fix it. And I'm like, you know, I'm not really, you know, tasked with interfering with the job of the principal. My job is to work on policy, not really tasked with interfering with day to day or in, or in being involved, overly involved, I'll say, with the day to day operations of the schools. So technically, our role is just policy. Though we do a lot of, you know, a whole lot outside of that. Sure. Most of us do. And yeah. one of the things um, that I have to ask about that's been uh, obviously in the news now and for, for months on end is kind of the policy, the posture, the ongoing uh, back and forth, if you will, between the school board's uh, desire, I guess, for controlling and building and constructing schools school boards want the the authority to to set the budget and build schools the way they see fit mm -hmm. currently or maybe it's changing i think the paper might have put it in a change uh at one point i think it was like the city council was controlling the budget on that mm -hmm. and all of this falls into a microcosm of one school george with high school that has been kind of an ongoing um you know, debate now for a while between the Stony administration, city council, school board, when, who has authority, who can build the school, when can the school start, how many students should be in the school, so forth and so on. As your role on the school board, help the people that are just reading the news, help us understand what's happening. I think everybody across the board agrees that it would be awesome to have a new high school in RPS 
it'd be awesome for it to be George with high school on the South side. But how has this become such, by lack of a better term, how has it become so political, Stephanie? What's happened with this? <laughs> well, your answer about on that one is just as good as mine. I mean, your, your guess. Um, <laughs> no, you, you got to have all the answers. I don't um, have any. You know, I don't um, know how it became overly politicized. You know, I have been very, very open and honest about my position on a lot of this. Um, when I ran for office and you, you know, I invite anyone to look at all of my forums. I did so many forums and interviews and George Wythe came up a lot from mm. me. Mm. I was concerned about the graduation rate, about some of the issues I knew in terms of like security in the school. I was concerned with, um, you know, the age of the building and how it had been pushed to the bottom of the list yet again because at one time it was on the capital improvement list to rebuild George with. And when they built the last three schools, something happened with the budget and George with fell off again. Right. And so I attended a press conference that they had in October. I was, I'm going to be frank with you. I was not invited to that press conference. Um, but I heard that it was going to take place and I crashed it. You're crashing. And, um, pretty much, you know, heard them announce that they were going to build George Wythe, that George Wythe was going to be next. And when there was a question about, from a reporter about a timeline, there was no answer. We don't have a timeline at this point, right? And so I pushed about this. Like I kept, you know, and, and, and there's a trail. Like I've done so many interviews. I've done office hours that have been public. Um, you know, parents would ask me, okay, what's going on with George Wythe? And what I was told was that the money that was left over from the construction of the, the last three schools was going to be used to start design. Well, you know, months went by and I hadn't heard anything. And then I found out actually that they hadn't started design. So then I'm like, what's going on here? What really is happening? And that's when Ms. Gibson came up with the resolution to, to have schools build schools. Now, upon that happening, I did a lot of research and I have, you know, and, and I have videos on my social media feed where you can like actually listen. I've, for, I've talked for hours about why I support schools building schools, but I saw a lot of problems with how the last three schools were built. Um, they were over budget. There wasn't a lot of, um, and actually, you know, if you look at, a, at the compact meetings, um, our city council person, um, you know, flat out said there weren't, wasn't a whole lot of like monitoring of what was happening throughout the building of those schools. Oversight. And yeah, so I mean, I'm like, well, I'm on board with, because at one time schools did build, build schools and I did research and I found that most of the surrounding uh, school systems, the school board does have involvement with building schools, um, that it was time for Richmond to do it that way. And that's why I support it because there, there's going to be more transparency. We are going to, uh, you know, the facts and figures for the public to see as the process continues. Um, and it just makes more sense. You know, we are the school board. Um, we are hiring staff right now to, you know, we, to, to work on the construction and procurement part of this. And we want to get started. We've got an RFP. We've got from the last I heard nine applicants that they're going to screen and we're ready to go. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I think this has to do with budget. It has to do with money. Those are not things that I am concerned with. I'm concerned with our kids. So, so what, as we stand right now, 
if everything on on your side of the aisle is kind of work, moving along, getting ready to go. Um, is there any barrier? Is there still conflict or barriers, or is it now school board is going to build schools? We we can move forward. There will be a new George with sometime down the line. Well, there absolutely will be a new George with. You know, come hell or high water, there will be. Mm-hmm. Um, the the next barrier we have to encounter is on the thirteenth. Um, the the city council will meet to decide whether to allow us to have the money that's left in the budget. Um, for building of schools to have that transferred over to the school board's uh, control so that we can go ahead and get this design work started. You mentioned um, the education compact and I'd heard a lot about it well before you became, you, you, you came on the board. Um, In theory, it's something where it should work. School board, city council, administration, all getting together, working in cohort. Um, They have had some dark times. In regards to even just attendance. Now, I will say, I think some of that was was uh, kind of wrapped up in politics, right? If, if somebody on city council is running for mayor against the mayor, it's like that, that stuff. Where do you, how do you feel the interaction between school board, city council, administration? Do you feel like it's better, improved, getting better, or a lot of work that needs to be done? I mean, I certainly think that there's, to be honest with you, there's work that could be done. Um, You know, I think collaboration means coming to the table and treating everyone as though they have merit and, um, you know, valuing everyone's experience and expertise, allowing everyone to have a voice. um, and, 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 you know, I should enter that space and feel equally respected as, as anyone else in that space. And, you know, I think that, that there's some work that needs to be done so that we all feel that way. I have not always felt welcome um, fully. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, you know, largely felt respected, but I don't know that my perspective has, has been valued. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, you know, that could just be me feeling that way. I mean, I, I certainly, you know, open... I'm open to having a discussion about it, but, um, you know, I think that the compact should be a, a, a real legitimate place where we're sitting down and rolling up our sleeves and figuring out how city council and the school board can really work together to make our schools the best that they can be. And, um, you know, I have to, because I've just come in off of this, I have to like shout out to our collective bargaining ad hoc committee that we just, um, you know, um, no, it's a perfect. Well, well, we convened that, and it, it was very effective. And we were, you know, it was people from all angles of this working together. That's a perfect transition because um, when I tell you <laughs> people on the like the maybe the normal kind of casual follower, if you will, may not understand the George Whiff thing. I believe it's the same in regards to the news that we we heard Monday, right? So and. Um, we just came off a school board um, school board meeting where I believe it's the first Richmond is the first city in the entire Commonwealth, maybe beyond, but I think it's the first city in the Commonwealth yes. to pass a collective bargaining resolution. Yes. I know what it means in the sense that I'm a sports fan. <laughs> so I know when the players union get together and they negotiate collective bargaining. I know what it means for 
athletes and players and lawyers and administrators. I, I understand that Virginia is, is still a right to work state, but now yes. this has happened. I, I, I've asked several people, very smart people, much smarter than me. What does this really mean? What happened? And I get a whole bunch of different answers. So Stephanie, what happened on Monday? Collective bargaining. What does it mean? And what should we expect to come out of this as we go forward? Okay. So, um, I'm thinking about two months ago, uh, Ms. Gibson, Dr. Harris Muhammad, and are you able to hear me? I'm I sorry. can, yes. Can you okay. hear me? I'm sorry. And, uh, and I presented a resolution for uh, collective bargaining. And what that means is, you know, teachers want the ability to negotiate terms of their contracts, right? And they had not been able to do it, I think, for like 44 years now. Is that what I, I'm pretty sure it's been 44 years. Yeah, something years like that, since, yeah. Yeah. And so um, I think especially now because of, you know, post-pandemic stress, I mean, it's really tough right now for our teachers. Um, you know, we have shortages of, I mean, of, of staff in every capacity um, that teachers need to be able to have a voice. They need to be able to feel that they can make a difference in terms of how their working conditions look. And so collective bargaining is a way, it's a path to that, to, to having teachers have a say. And so what we approved basically um, set the pathway. It's, it's a resolution that says that collective bargaining can take place, right? So it's not the collective bargaining itself. I mean, I okay. think some people don't know that they're two different processes. This is a resolution that says, this is you know, providing now the framework for how collective bargaining will happen. And now it will be up to the bargaining agent and to the school administration to negotiate a contract for teachers. Um, and, you know, there were points where our school board attorney had questions about the resolution. And so we convened an ad hoc committee that was comprised of teachers, uh, representatives from the Richmond Education Association and the Virginia Education Association, which included legal counsel on both sides. Um, our side and theirs, um, the bargaining agent. Um, there were also, there's a community member um, and yes, the REA people. So um, we all came together. We went through this resolution. Um, our board attorney, Janelle Lilly, raised concern. She wanted to do things like she, she recommended that we have a clause in there that described um, the, the, you know, the, the, the interests of the employer, right? That hadn't been included in there, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and there were other, you know, comments that she'd made that she wanted us to address and those, you know, are available and they were public and the meeting was public. Um, and we, and, and behind the scenes, um, they collaborated, our attorney, the VEA attorney collaborated, our um, chief talent officer, collaborated with the um, BEA, NEA people, and they came up with a resolution that I feel everyone could live with. And um, it was a really, you know, tedious process. 
I I had to learn a lot. Like I, you know, I'm not a contract negotiator sure. by trade, and so I had to sit down and I had to really learn about this process, and I had to ask questions, and I, you know, I studied a lot as we were going through it, and I've learned a lot about this. But what it essentially does is it allows teachers to, you know, once 30% of them have signed union cards, they can trigger an election, they can elect a bargaining agent. Um, and then that bargaining agent can represent them in negotiating terms of their contracts. Now for the first, now the contracts will be for three year periods in the first contract. And this is one concession that was made by the teachers is that now they will have two issues and the school board will have two issues. Um, that could be bargained for this one three-year contract, right? right? And so that means you can't do everything in the right. first contract. You might want to negotiate, you know, planning time or, you know, I don't know if they'll go for salaries. That's a big one, you know, in the first sure. contract. But, you know, they wanted to limit the amount of, of um, bargaining issues that could take place in any one contract because our... Um, you know, talent officer was concerned about their capacity to, you know, work out this contract, you know, in terms of her staff and their, their capacity to do that. So um, there were concessions that were made, but what this essentially does is it gives teachers now the ability to give some terms for contracts with a union representative. Does that answer? No, this is a great answer. That's a fantastic answer. And I'm, and I'm, because as we go through this pub in the public, I think the public will learn more about mm-hmm. what this means and how it. Um, if I'm if if I'm being cynical or if I'm being skeptical, um, because it seemed like a lot of folks when it passed, there was kind of this rush, especially from people I follow on Twitter, to take credit for. Oh, we're so great! Like. Very rarely do you hear see school board members, the superintendent, teachers, everybody being like, this is great. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm trying to figure out, like I said, the cynic in me or, or the skeptic in me is like, where does this potentially have the, the you know, the chances to go left? I'm sure there's a lot of them. Um, right. And so I, I was interested. I'll get your your take, and then we'll 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 close out and talk about a couple other things. But I just think I'm all, if everybody's happy, I I've got to look at this and be like, what is going on here? Because I saw, like <laughs> I said, too I saw good to be true. Nobody's I saw, fighting. <laughs> I saw the superintendent praising folks. I saw mm-hmm. Senator McCullen, who I who I love, is praising folks. I saw school board members praising, and I'm like, wait a second. If this was so great, or you know, obviously Virginia has some weird. Dylan rule right to work stuff. Right. Um, so but- let, let's be clear. Teachers cannot strike. Teachers cannot stage sick outs. They will be, you know, in trouble if they do. This is not a situation where teachers can strike. See, because I'm thinking the ugliest example, right? Recent ugliest example is Chicago, right? Right. I'm thinking of what happened in Chicago. And mm-hmm. the more cynical people will be like, oh, Virginia is now in Chicago. Is that no, no, that's not possible. <laughs> no, so I, I mean, I, first of all, you know, I mean, teachers can't walk out. They can't strike, right? That's still illegal in the state of Virginia. Because so of the right to work state about, aspect of this. Hmm? Because of the right to work aspect of yes, the state. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it's illegal in the state of Virginia to do that. Sure. 
So um, that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is, you know, teachers having the right, and, and certainly it's, it's kind of pie in the sky and dreamy, right? That they will sit down at a table and say, hey, look, you know, we want, you know, this type of scheduling. We want uh, more planning time for it during our days, you know, and then they sit down with administration and they try to bargain it out and work it out. And, um, you know, there are clauses in the resolution that deal with what happens when there's an impasse, a third party can come in and help mm -hmm. with the negotiation. Um, but that's where the hard work is going to take place. And I guess we're going to just have to see where that goes. It's going to be up to the, the union, the teachers and RPS administration. It's, it's a new era. It is yes. definitely a new era. And that excites me. You know, anytime there's a possibility for something that's new and that can make things better. Um, I'm excited about it. And that's legit excitement. You know, I'm, I'm a cynic too. I mean, I, I tend to be a cynic. Um, you know, I grew up with disappointment. So I don't really get excited about things until they're right in my face. Sure. And so, you know, I, I'm all the time planning, okay, what could go wrong here? Um, you know, it's, that's my habit of mind. Um, but in this, and in this case, I, I definitely did. I came into that meeting thinking, okay, is this going to pass? You know, mm -hmm. um, are people going to see that this is something that could actually lead us forward in a really good way? And I, I'm just convinced that it will. We talked a, a little bit now about obviously rolling up the sleeves and the hard work that you, that you and your colleagues have to do on the board. And it does sound, it sounds like it's, I mean, just some really looking into, looking under every rock, doing a bunch of details, yes. things that people don't expect. Tell me uh, what makes you happy about, about your decision to run. And what makes you happy about your decision to serve? Because somebody that's in has taught as long as you have, you have a, a history of students that I know are making you put, put a smile on your face when you think about them. Uh, you have a Absolutely. history of parents that put a smile on your face. So I, I would I would sit here and be like, are are you nuts? Why would you take this on? <laughs> what what gives you satisfaction in regards to to your your time on the school board in this role as opposed to? direct action with, you know, with parents and students and, and your teaching colleagues? Um, well, I will tell you, you know, you mentioned that I have a lot of former students. I have a lot of former parents because the parents are also, you know, engaged with me. I'm that type, type of teacher that, you know, I want to know the parents too. And um, a lot of them actually live in the city. Um, and so I stand on their shoulders, right? They help get me here. And I honor that. You know, I feel completely honored by that. Um, Mark, I did not come with a silver spoon in my mouth. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I am just a regular person who ended up being a teacher, probably because I'm the oldest child and I'm good at telling people what to do. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I actually, actually love telling people what to do, you know, as long as, you know, I'm not, I'm not overstepping that. Sure. Um, and... I have a lot of people in my life, a lot of former students who give back to me in so many ways, you know, and I know how important education is. Education saved me. I do not, you know, that's not an exaggeration. Like school saved my life, right? Mm. And so I want to make sure that our schools are set up so that they can be places of safety and saving for every child.
That's why I'm motivated to do this. Um, you know, sometimes I have a little bit of imposter, like, um, what do you call it? Imposter, imposter syndrome. Syndrome, right. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, do I really belong here? Like, you know, like, like, I'm just a teacher. I'm just like, you know, someone from a very, very working class background. Um, it feels sometimes like, wow, look at what I'm doing here. You know, this is exciting. And, you know, I was very close to my grandmother. My grandmother was in on Chimborazo for, I don't know, 60 some years before she passed. Right. And, um, she didn't get to see this, but I just, mm. I just hope that she can, you know, mm -hmm. because she would be so like, I mean, first of all, she probably wouldn't have believed it, you know, cause she did follow politics. That's how I know a lot about local politics is cause my sure. grandma followed it. Sure. Um, and she never probably even guessed that I'd be doing what I'm doing here. So I see it as a huge honor. Um, it is tough. I, I certainly will not sugarcoat that it's tough work. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very difficult. And, you know, I have a full-time job. I have still raising my son and my elder son, he's 26, but you know, he still needs me too. And I've got two <laughs> dogs and, you know, other responsibilities, but, um, this has been important work and I can look back on this year, Mark, and see where we've made a difference and we're making progress. And, and, um, I see concrete, uh, evidence that um, my time on this board has been important. And so um, that's what keeps me going. What would you want to see? And this is, we'll do the, the last, I got two last rapid fire questions, but okay. if, if um, you could do one thing in RPS, just one thing, uh, what would that thing be before you close out? I could your do term? one thing. Before you close out your term, your term is what you got to, uh, Three yeah, years three left, years. is it? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if there's one thing, is there anything that you'd say, if I do this in the next three years, I will consider it a, a, a victory? Okay, so of course, I want to see George With get built, right? I want to mm -hmm. see that community happy. I want to see them supported um, with more than just a new building, right? There are, you know, unique... Um, challenges that students at George with have that need a lot more attention. And I want to highlight that, especially mm -hmm. the conditions of our uh, Latinx population there. Um, and so that is one big goal I have. And, and, you know, if I could like see a George with meeting where like fully half of the people there are of Latinx background, right. And are talking and feel comfortable being there. Um, that will be something I'd be happy to achieve. Um, I also, you know, would love to, as we talked about before, um, and, you know, work on planning out ways that we can engage our community to interact with our kids, especially, um, at the older adolescence age. Um, I'm very concerned about what's happening in Richmond with violence. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we need to reach back and be there for our kids um, and figure out ways to actively do that. I know everyone's busy, but if we could figure out how we, each one of us even could give a little time to make sure that our kids are supported and loved and they know that they're supported and loved, that would be another um, great achievement. If I could like, you know, do something to affect some kind of change in that direction. Um, 
That, um, look, those are great answers. I mean, those are great answers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop you there, okay. Stephanie Reezy. That thank you for taking the time, ladies and gentlemen. She represents the fifth district on the school board. Three years left is your first term. You're in office. Roll it up your sleeve. Oh, it's been a, a, it's been a heck of a year, Mark. <laughs> it's been a heck of a year. It really has. Mm-hmm. Um, and really quick, because I know I follow you everywhere. Where can listeners follow um, everything that you're doing, whether it's on social media or otherwise? So um, I definitely have my political page on Facebook. That's where I'm the most active. Um, you know, I'm kind of a dinosaur with technology. And so Facebook is a great way to follow me. Um, and there you'll see links to my newsletter, which we publish every month, and also my office hours, which I hold every month on Zoom. And so you can get information that way. Uh, my email is srizzy at rvaschools.net, so you can reach me there. Um, and, you know, email is always great because I answer those, and um, I have met a lot of community members and constituents that way. But yeah, I mean, I just want people to reach out and, you know, talk to me anytime. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty accessible. I think that um, I've really worked to make sure that that's the case. So um, yeah, I encourage people to reach out. Well, Stephanie, thank you for taking the time to chat with me. And hopefully we will be able to do it again in oh, the future. Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, thank this you. is the Cheats Movement Podcast. We will be right back after this. our interview with Stephanie Reezy. Thank you again for all the support. This is the Cheats Movement Podcast. Again, if you like what you hear in this interview or any of the interviews that we do, we've had Rodney Robinson, we've had Kenya Hunter, now we've had Stephanie Reezy. We've got more interviews about public education coming up. Please click the subscribe button. Please visit the Cheats Movement Podcast Network.com. Subscribe to the Family Podcast Network. You won't regret it. You will not regret it. Uh, I'm always available as well, uh, social media, if you need anything, Cheats Movement, Twitter, IG, Facebook, uh, I'm always available to answer any questions you have, or if you have ideas for a podcast, or want to come on the Cheats Movement, or you want to have a guest on the Cheats Movement, or leave a comment, please do so. Until next time, we see it. Yeah, 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 I'm trying to play leaving. Right. See you at the airport.